Welcome back to Engineering Misjudgment with me, Shannon. I have a degree in chemical engineering and work as a risk consultant engineer. Eventually, I will tell you more about me, but today is not that day. Today, our topic is the EPA. Okay, so just in case you haven't listened to the last episode of Alphabet Soup, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about some of the organizations I mentioned in the longer incident episodes. I'm calling this episode and episodes like it Alphabet Soup, so y'all know the difference between this and a longer case episode. I do these with minimal editing, so please let me know if something sounds weird. Uh, Many of these groups I was introduced to through university or work, so I kind of throw around their acronyms now, uh, but I think it's important to take a closer look at their origins. The full name of the EPA is the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Like most government agencies, the EPA is headquartered in Washington, D.C. The current headquarters is in Federal Triangle and is a couple of adjacent buildings. The EPA occupies the William, Bill, Jefferson Clinton, North, South, East, and West buildings, and then also the Ronald Reagan building. My descriptions may be off, but I've been to the area a couple of times in the last few years. The area with the most national museums on the mall are near Federal Triangle, with the Capitol at one end and the Washington Monument at the other end. And if you keep going past the Washington Monument, you of course end up at the Lincoln Memorial. I've actually never been to D.C. on a proper tourist trip, so I've seen all the places multiple times in pieces. When I was in eighth grade, my school had a D.C. trip that I couldn't afford to go on. If you know me and my love-hate relationship with the American government system, you know that this broke my heart. So I will always take the opportunity to go see the National Museums. Also, side note, my favorite museum-y place is the Renwick Gallery, which is a bit away from the main mall area. The installations are cool and the art there doesn't feel as stolen since the focus is on contemporary American craft and decorative art, which for some reason feels like if I did art, I would end up in this gallery. I don't do art, so I'm not going to end up in any gallery, but it makes sense in my head. Back to the EPA. There is a metro station right near the building, so if you visited D.C., you may have seen a kind of curved style building, and that's where the EPA is. Um, It's a very standard neoclassical style, like most government buildings in the United States. The mission of the EPA is to protect human health and the environment. The EPA works to ensure that, I'm going to list a bunch of things, so here they are. Um, Americans have clean air, land, and water, national efforts to reduce environmental risk, are based on the best available scientific information. Federal laws protecting human health and the environment are administered and enforced fairly, effectively, and as Congress intended. Environmental stewardship is integral to the U.S. policies concerning natural resources, human health, economic growth, energy, transportation, agriculture, industry, and international trade, and these factors are similarly considered in establishing environmental policy. All parts of society, communities, individuals, businesses, and state, local and tribal governments have access to accurate information sufficient 
to effectively participate in managing human health and environmental risk. Contaminated lands and toxic sites are cleaned up by potentially responsible parties and revitalized, and chemicals in the marketplace are reviewed for safety. So their mission is very long in comparison to a lot of other government agencies, and so they have a lot on their plate. The EPA was founded in 1970 and happened because of the 60s. The 1960s, especially in the late 1960s, shit was hitting the water, literally and figuratively. People were kind of fed up. Here are some things that happened that made the general public aware that something should be done about the environmental crisis. Rachel Carlson's Silent Spring was published in 1962. Carson was a bird watcher and connected the growing pollution to killing the birds. She also talked about the pollution with regards to the Vietnam War. I read the book and it's a good read if you want to add it to your list. And I've read a lot of environmental books kind of like that or kind of in the same vein. And maybe I'll make a book list someday, but who knows? I don't know. (laughs) The Cuyahoga River um, also caught fire in 1969 and If you want to know more about that, I have an episode on that. It was actually the episode right before this, so go listen to that for more info. There was a major oil spill in Santa Barbara in 1969 too, and then there was other non-environmental things that happened just in the summer of 1969. So Nixon took some troops out of Vietnam. There was the Stonewall riots. There was Senator uh, Kennedy and Chappaquiddick and that whole ordeal. The moon landing, yeah, the first one. Um, Charles Manson and the family was kind of running around for all my true crime people. The British was doing British shit in Northern Ireland starting a 30-year conflict called the Troubles. Woodstock happened and yeah, 1968 wasn't a walk in the park either. Like, I really feel for them as a person also living through what feels like one unprecedented event after another. Nixon, president at the time, was like, let me get this dub with the environment. And I know the administration was doing other good and bad stuff, but it's wild that anyone considered the environment. Like, I couldn't imagine that in this day of age. And I just see them as really live laugh loving in the worst conditions just absolutely not what i would think would be at the top of the line for the administration so again the epa was established in 1970 by the nixon administration in an attempt to consolidate all of the federal government's environmental responsibilities right before the epa was established nixon presented a 37 point message on the environment to both houses of Congress. 37 points is a lot from Nixon, a president with no charisma and no good notable speeches. And that's not from me as like a hater. That's from like historians, like historians say this about this man. Um, I can see Congress just being like, whatever, Nixon, please stop talking and we will let you go hug and save as many trees as you want. So kind of another side note, about Nixon and how I just don't really see this 37-point message making a lot of sense or being that entertaining or that compelling is I watched and listened without visuals to the 1960 Nixon versus Kennedy presidential debate in high school. 
this was the first presidential election debate ever broadcast in the style. The thing, like the historical thing about these debates is those who listen only, who only listen to the speech, the majority thought that Nixon won and the majority of people who watched said that Kennedy won. And I objectively did both. I listened and then I watched. And those people who said Nixon won just off listening, this is a hot take, but were insane and incorrect. Like they were not right. They were delusional. But, you know, I digress. That's another story for another day. Um, in the first Earth Day happened in April 1970, and things kind of got going after that. So this is straight from the EPA's website about its founding and the reorganization is a long quote, so stay with me. This reorganization would permit response to environmental problems in a manner beyond the previous capability of the government pollution control programs. The EPA would have the capacity to do research on important pollutants irrespective of the media in which they appear and on the impact of these pollutants on the total environment. Both by itself and together with other agencies, the EPA would monitor the conditions of the environment, biological as well as physical. With these data, the EPA would be able to establish quantitative environmental baselines critical for efforts to adequately measure the success or failure of pollution abatement efforts. The EPA would be able to, in concert with the states, to set and enforce standards for air and water quality and for individual pollutants. Industries seeking to minimize the adverse impacts of their activities on the environment would be assured of consistent standards covering the full range of their waste disposal problems as states developed and expanded their own pollution control programs, they will be able to look to one agency to support their efforts with financial and technical assistance training. And this is the last part of the quote on the website about the EPA's founding. After conducting hearings during that summer, which was the summer of 1970, the House and Senate approved the proposal. The agency's first administrator, William Ruckelshaw, took the oath of office December 4th, 1970. So in late December, the Clean Air Act of 1970 was also signed and gave the EPA more power through comprehensive federal and state regulations. In its first year or so, the EPA gets to work. One of the first things they did was a lead-based paint restriction in January 1971. And let me tell you, they were very correct on the societal harms of lead in paint and lead in everything when they later did some other, you know, regulations. The evidence of lead exposure at young ages can lead to learning disabilities, decreased IQ, ADHD, impulse control, and later more crimes in adulthood. It's just a wild array of things that weren't being addressed. And I feel like the 70s was a little bit ago, but it feels very recent to just be putting restrictions on that type of stuff. And I don't do a ton of research into medical things, but it's widely agreed that lead poisoning is bad for the brain, generally, especially at a young age. So the next thing they kind of did was they announced national standards on specific compounds years before schedule. So they had some times to develop these standards and they got it done within the first year. These compounds included sulfur oxides, particulate matter, carbon monoxide, photochemical oxidants, 
nitrogen oxides, and hydrocarbons, which mostly come from oil and gas. Uh, The next thing they did was vehicle fuel economy testing. And kind of to wrap up that first year or so of them doing things, um, in March 1972, Documerica, a visionary photography project to capture images related to environmental problems, EPA activities, and everyday life across the nation was started. Um, this project was revitalized in 2011 and lasted for a few years until 2013. And something cool that I saw when I looked at some of the newer pictures in, from 2011 and, tw- and 2013 was Lake Jocassi uh, made the revitalization project, which if you know me, <laughs> that's probably where I would retire, realistically. Um, one of the cool things I did very early on was distribute the first industrial wastewater permits to a few companies in Indiana. This basically said that these companies treated water coming from their plants to a point where they could be released into waterways. This, in my opinion, is a good public-private partnership. Obviously, it's a lot to send your wastewater to a town treatment that may not be able to treat it or is so unable to deal with it that they just have to dump it into waterways untreated. Um, this company this gave companies an opportunity to clean their own water to a higher standard than even the city's general plant um, and handle it themselves. I still don't fully trust corporate entities to fully be responsible for the environment, um, but this was a good compromise, and we don't get a lot of those nowadays. We don't, so I thought that was kind of cool. What does the day-to-day operations look like at the APA? Well, let's start with the budget. The 2021 budget for the EPA was $9,237,153,000, and they have a workforce of about 14297 Let's talk about the current head of the EPA. And before I say his name, let me just say, wow, I will save y'all from hearing me thirst too much over the man who is almost 20 years my senior with a full family and obviously doing great in life, go Google a photo of him. Yeah. Again. Wow. So <laughs> the current administrator of the EPA is Michael S. Regan. His background, he is from the South, specifically Goldsboro, North Carolina, where there was actually a nuclear weapons accident there that I eventually want to talk about. He went to North Carolina A&T for his undergraduate degree in environmental science and George Washington University for his master's in public administration. He is the first black man and the first from an HBCU to be top admin at the EPA. He's not actually the first black person to lead the EPA. Uh, That honor goes to Lisa P. Jackson, who was a black first black woman to serve as EPA admin in 2009 under the Obama administration. She got her undergraduate in chemical engineering from Tulane and got her master's degree in chemical engineering at Princeton. So I have no choice but to stand just a little bit. Regan has formerly served as the secretary of North Carolina's Department of Environmental Quality and was a air quality specialist in the EPA. He was officially announced as the EPA administrator in March 2021, 
And I was definitely excited about this news and celebrated it since he does focus on environmental racism and justice in his previous positions, which is something the EPA has been criticized for not doing enough on in the past. The EPA has 10 regional offices and many laboratories that help to propel the mission of the organization. Each office is mostly based in the major city of that region. For example, Region 4 is headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and covers Georgia, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida. The headquarters also has departments including the Office of Air and Radiation, Office of Chemical Safety and Pollution Prevention, Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of Enforcement and Compliance Assurance, Office of General Counsel, Office of Inspector General, Office of International Tribal Affairs, Office of Land and Emergency Management, Office of Mission Support, Office of Research and Development, and last but not least, Office of Water. Let's talk controversy at the EPA. The EPA was, of course, controversial, especially with industry leaders when it first began because of the new industry standards that were set in place and regulations that they had to follow. The EPA has had some bad leaders, including Scott Pruitt under the Trump administration. Scott was generally destructive. He censored climate change data, dismantled regulations, and just had multiple scandals that were distracting from the EPA's mission. That is the most recent example of how the EPA leadership can determine its impact, but it's definitely not the only example of bad leadership. There has been general political interference at the EPA through many administrators. Many scientists have complained of political interference and pressure to shift EPA's findings. According to NBC News article on the matter, the Union of Concerned Scientists said that more than half of the nearly 1,600 EPA staff scientists who responded online to a detailed questionnaire reported they had experienced incidents of political interference in their work. So even with good leaders, climate change data, fuel economy data, incident data has been downplayed and suppressed at the EPA at some point. The EPA still gets pushback all the time. For example, Matt Gates, House representative from Florida, made a bill to abolish the EPA that had no chance but still was annoying him specifically matt gates shouldn't be able to do anything he should be in jail that isn't republican hate if you know you know and he's an untalented nepotism kid i don't like his face it creeps me out florida please remove him make him not our problem anymore thank you anyway other than that issues at the epa usually happen because of the large set of things they are responsible for and how they overlap with other agencies like OSHA. It could get cumbersome and really confusing for those who are trying to follow regulations and standards. Uh, so that's something that is can be a little bit controversial on a day-to-day. I have opinions on the EPA as an organization, but I think that most of my opinions are pretty standard for anyone who knows of them because of working in engineering and science. The EPA being started by Republican is great, and it's the fact that I use when I have to say something nice about the grand old party. It is a chaotic good organization. I do not aspire to work there, but I wouldn't be mad if I ended up working there somehow. 
I just believe I can make an impact without getting a check from the EPA. I do think it has its limits even as an independent government agency. At the end of the day, a law has to be made to make later regulations or standards. The time it takes to do that can make the EPA slow to act on some environmental issues. I do know a few people who work for regional EPA operations, and overall, everyone I know likes it as much as anyone can like a place paying them so that they can later pay bills. The EPA does need to do more for environmental racism. Fortunately, in the meantime, there are grassroots organizations who are better at getting the justice that people deserve. All right, that's all I have for y'all today. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episodes. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at ENG underscore misjudgment for photos and send a DM if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Thank you so much for listening. Dumb Spiro Sparrow. Bye.